You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. All right, how's everybody doing today? Good. Today we have our fabulous friends in Pullman joining us. Are you guys excited about that? Hi, Pullman. Hi, how are you guys? We see you. You know what they went and did last week? These Pullman people, you know what they did? They went and had church at a park. And then you know what they did after that? They went and baptized 12 people. We are proud of you guys. Great work. They are making it happen over there in Pullman as we are making it happen over here in Moscow as well. So glad to have you guys joining us today. Uh, My name is Josh Gray. I'm the executive uh, pastor here at Real Life, and I am excited to be here today. Remember, if you've missed any part of our sermon series, um, please go online. So, for example, last week I was on vacation with my family, sitting, watching my son play baseball when it was like 100 degrees, sweating beautifully. That's why I glisten up here now. Um, But since I missed the sermon last week, um, I went online and I watched it a couple times. I watched it earlier in the week and I watched it today again because I want to know what you know. I want to know what you are being taught because I want to be part of this community. So if you've missed any pieces of our sermon, like the first one, with uh, Marty and Emmy on the Beatitudes, which was awesome. And then last week was great. I think it was one of the best sermons I've heard Aaron preach. And if you missed it, go and get it on Salt and Light. So please stay uh, caught up because these things are building upon each other. Okay? So today we are diving into the law. And when I say the words the law, you probably have some immediate... Uh, emotions based on your experience with the law. And for some of us, the law is the hammer. Your mom or your dad may have been the law in your life. And it may be a, maybe it was a good experience or maybe it wasn't a good experience, but you had rules and things placed around you. And so when we think about the law, a lot of times it's in the, in the, in the idea of, of a gavel or a hammer or something that's coming down uh, to, to get us. And I want us to change that perspective because we should have the perspective of what the law meant for God, what the law meant to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so I want us to kind of dive in and have uh, a little different perspective on on how we view the law. So let's dive into the text here. And Matthew says, uh, do not think that I have come (coughs) to abolish the law or the prophets. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but uh, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter... Not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, what's it therefore? Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
So when we think about the laws I was studying this week and we were working on our sermon club, one of the first things that as I read it as a Westerner and look at it and it says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. And so when I think of the word (coughs) abolish, I think of wiping it off the face of the earth, eliminating it, getting rid of it. A lot of great definitions for that. But abolish, as it's used here, really means to, to invalidate it. Like a lot of times in, in the Jewish culture, they say, you abolished Torah. You violated a law. That's what they mean. And Jesus is sitting there and he's, he's teaching this. He says, don't think that I have come to violate the law and the prophets. Puts a different spin on that. I have not come to violate them, but I've come to fulfill them. And so as you think about this law, well, what do you mean? What would they have thought when he talked about the law? What did that look like when we talk about the law and the prophets? So the law would be uh, in, in Torah and the prophets, all of those pieces of it, they're thinking about that. And so now we have this law. So let's see the next slide here. <coughs> 613, you know what 613 is? It's the area code for Ottawa, Canada. I don't, what are we teaching here? People don't even know that. It's the area code for Ottawa, Canada. But it's also the number of laws that a Jew would obey to try and be righteous. That's a lot. How many of us could recite the Ten Commandments right now? If I called you up on the stage right now and just go, one, two, three, four, just give me the Ten Commandments right now. Just ten of them. Probably not. So there's some interesting ones out of the 613. I've picked a few just so you might even know if you're possibly fulfilling any of the law. So there's uh, 248-ish kind of positive ones. And there's 365 somewhat with a negative tone. So I'm going to go through all of those and expect you to memorize those. Aaron gave you homework last week. Did you guys do that last week? Does anybody remember what the homework was last week? What? No. Uh, so, so I'm going to read them all for you and you guys can decide which ones you're in or out on. Okay. Number one. No, we're not going to do that. But let me talk to you just a couple of fun ones here. Well, here's a law. Number 212 of the positive ones. Be fruitful and multiply. Winner, Charlie. Eileen, good job. Carter, not yet. Amen. <laughs> Amen, says there. Be fruitful and multiply is a law. One of the 613, right? So good news. Some of us are winners on that. Some of us will be winners on that, right? In the proper timing, right? How about the uh, negative spin number 73? Uh, this law says you are not to be drunk entering a sanctuary when giving a decision on Torah law. Thank goodness for the second part. Whew. No, uh, no, we're not. We don't do that. But do you see? Uh, there's and there's all these laws. And as a as a Jew, when you think about the 613 laws, all these rules and constrictions and things. Let's look at another uh, another uh, slide. This is the end of the eruv. Stop. Can't go farther than this. Well, what is this eruv business? You know, in the text, it'll talk about a Sabbath day's walk from a place. So there's an actual law that says how far you can walk on a Shabbat, on the Sabbath. And they obey it. And even to this day, with the next one, this is Binghamton University, that red line would let you know 
how far you can walk if you're a practicing Jew. And there's caution marks for some other reason too. I can't go there. Maybe that's where some other churches are. No, I don't know. But do you see how serious, even to this day, when we talk about the law, so, so he comes and he says, I have not come to violate. I have not come to tell you to get rid of these things. You know, uh, Aaron was telling me a story about, uh, about the, uh, kind of relates to the law. Uh, Moshe, one of the shop owners in Israel that we get to visit, um, he, his wife was pregnant and it was in the middle or late in the night. And she said, I am craving an orange. And so he gets up, gets out of bed, does this thing, goes out, searches all over the city and brings back a bag of oranges because he was smart. No. You know why he brought back a bag of oranges? Because she said she wanted one. But he wanted to tell her how much he loved her. And one of the phrases or the ways that you can view these 613 laws for Jews is they wanted to have a lot of ways in which they could tell God that they love him. I love you so much that I won't walk beyond these bounds. I love you so much that I won't eat this kind of food. I love you so much that I, that I won't cut the corners of my, I'll be Marty. And I'll wear tassels. And so that's their view of the law is of love. Is that how you feel about the law? Do you feel God just kind of being like, hey, hi, Charlie. Oh, I love you, Charlie. Thanks for obeying the laws. And it's interesting enough, some more research in regards to around the law, they stay there. You guys, who can guess what this bear's name is? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's the name of the bear. That's what, that's, that's, that's the name of the bears. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, um, anyway, <laughs> meanwhile, back in the sermon, um, so, so they created, there's in this next set of laws, they created 6,000 more laws around the 613 to make sure that they don't break those 613. They created another 6,000. Because we want to really tell our God how much we love him. So as you think about the law, do you view the law as a hammer? Sorry. Do you view the law as a hammer? It's a restrictive thing? Or do you view the law as a way to love? You think about law today, you know, you can, it's against the law to be a drunk driver. That's not in Torah, I don't think, but it's against the law to be a drunk driver. And why is it against the law to be a drunk driver? Anybody against that law? No, because it's dangerous. Because you don't have all your faculties. And if you're a drunk driver, you could, you could violate one of the Ten Commandments and you could murder somebody with your car. Good law. That's a law of love. That's a law that, that, that we care about. Right? So the law, to view the law in the text and how Jesus wants to view it, is a law about love. And that's why the sermon's title, uh, the title of the sermon is, is, is love. How do you, uh, the law that loves. So why does Jesus say then that we need the law, that he's not here to abolish it, that he's here to fulfill it? <coughs> Sorry. So uh, the law is, in, and we had a little help from Paul in this in uh, Galatians. It says, so the law 
was our guardian. Say pedagogue. Pedagogue. Come on, Pullman, say it. I can't even hear you. Pedagogue. Okay, there you go, Pullman. We're back in. We got you. So pedagogue, the guardian. So the law was the guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The guardian, pedagogue, is a tutor. It's a nanny. It's a bodyguard. And I'm going to steal an amazing analogy from my mentor. Have you ever been bowling? Do you know the button you can press where the little bumper lanes come up? That's the law. These are the things we need to do to stay on the path. And sometimes I'm bouncing all over the bumper lanes. How about you? Bouncing all over. But thank goodness the lanes are there. And sometimes I'm dialed in. I don't even get close to the bumper lanes. I'm throwing strikes. I'm walking with the Lord so amazingly well that I'm right down the middle. Where are you with the law? You know, the faith part of the law, faith does not change the action. So we still need the law. It's a law of obedience. But Jesus, as we're going to see in our future sermons, and I don't want to step on their toes, but a lot of it, it says, you know, for you have heard it said this, but I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you, you have heard it this way, but I'm going to tell you, as he goes on in our next sermon series, he's going to talk about these things of what you've heard the law was supposed to be like and what it's for. But I'm going to challenge you to a higher calling. We're going to still keep the bumper, car, bumper rails up there, but I'm going to challenge you to stay in the middle. I'm going to challenge you to throw strikes. <clears throat> Faith does not change the action. It changes the heart with which we do the action. Faith does not change the action. It changes the heart for with which we do the action. Quote Aaron Couch. Thanks. Thank you. No, it is. It is good. When he said that, I was like, wow. And so the laws that we have, as we discussed last week, they're to reveal the, uh, his nature. This is what the nature of God is like. You don't, you don't do this out of wedlock. Well, why? Because you're not fully committed yet, and we don't want to have single, single kids running around wondering, moms and dads, the family unit's better. So stay in, stay in the bumper rails. Right? You don't, you don't do this. You don't... They want to help you. It's for you. It's for us. So it's to reveal his nature so we can learn his nature. Then as we walk it out, Moscow, Pullman, as you walk it out, the world learns who God is. Well, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you steal from your boss? Because that wouldn't, that wouldn't shine a good light on my, on, my, uh, on my God. I said I'm a Christian. I don't want people to think that Christians steal. Why, why do you give up a Friday when you're off and you go and move somebody when it's 100 degrees? Wouldn't you rather be at the lake? I'm a Christian. I serve. I help. I get involved. Well, why would you do that? That's weird. I would have chose the lake for sure. I'd be much more comfortable for you. I don't necessarily know that we always find Christ in our own comfort. How about you? When do you go looking for him? When you're super comfortable, when you're fat and happy and everything's going great and perfect and you need nothing? 
Because look what you've accomplished. <coughs> Excuse me. So last week we talked about that the law is light. We are told to be salt. We're the most valuable thing. We're diamonds. You are his diamonds. You are his people. Now go and be the light. And how can I be the light? What's the instructions? I want to be the light. Where is the light? I can't even turn it on. No, the light is this. Follow these laws. There's only 613 of them. Oh, we're not Jewish. Whew. And the Lord knew that. He knew there was going to be a bunch of people that weren't his chosen people that weren't Jewish. So he made it even easier for us. You know how he made it even easier for us? He gave us Jesus Christ. When he gave us Jesus Christ, Jesus came and said this. He said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Oh, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he could stop right there. But just to make sure we were totally clear, he said, all the law, the 613 or whatever other stuff we come up with, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. That's all you got to remember. 10 was too tough. 613, oh my goodness, I'm drunk in the sanctuary. Number 73, negative. No. Nope, two. You remember these two. And then he backs it up. And a whole nother guy says something. In Romans 13, he says, let no debt remain outstanding. They don't have this in your notes. You're going to have to memorize this. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing to debt, debt to love one another. He who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. What's the law? You, are you letting the law be love? Or are you letting the law be a hammer? You get to choose. You have this beautiful thing called free will. And you absolutely get to choose how you live out the law. In case we didn't get it in Romans or, or Matthew or Mark or Luke or any of those other books, stay, I don't know. Galatians 5.14 says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would I do that to my neighbor? Nope. Or would I do it to myself? Nope. Then I'm not going to do it to my neighbor. Are we more concerned with being right <coughs> and having the truth than we are with relationship? See, because I believe that Jesus is talking about this. He's comparing it to the Pharisees, right? And he says at the very end, he says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of Pharisees, well, wait a minute. You know, the Pharisees probably had like all, like, like they get it, right? Like they know the rules. They're running the show. They might even have a little bit more of the Bible memorized than we do. They got it figured out. How about the teachers of the law, the Aaron couches of the world? You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness surpasses them. Well, how in the world would that happen? Are you running over somebody to be right and to be correct? Is that, is that, the, is that what God does? Does he run over people? 
Or did he say that people were his most prized possession? Did you get taught last week that salt, you are the salt and the light. You are the diamonds. You are the most precious thing that, that God has. And why would you trample and run over something that's the most precious thing that God has? His people. You are the salt. You are the light. So what does it look like to be righteous, dude? Righteous. What movie? Finding Nemo. Come on. What's going on? Finding Nemo, right? To be righteous. What does it look like to be righteous? And as I searched this and researched this and read definitions and talked uh, to different people about this, for me, this is nobody else's definition. This is uh, from the Bible of Josh Gray, right? For me, righteousness looks like me always in the process of trying to be right with God. I'm going to bang off the bumper rails. That's how I'm built. But I want to be rolling the correct way. I want to be in the correct lane. Every once in a while, I'll throw a strike and not hit anything or anybody. But to me, to be righteous is this relentless pursuit that even when, even when I fail, and even when I blow, I can fail and leave the bowling alley and never come back. That's not being righteous. You got to come back. You got to pick up the ball. You got to be not afraid to throw it again. And to me, that's the pursuit of righteousness. I'm going to chase you, Lord, until it's over. And you probably have to drag me back on and I need help and all those things, but I'm going to chase you. For the Jews, they viewed righteousness in a covenant. The terms of the deal. I, this is your part of the deal and this is my part of the deal. And, and this is how we're going to be righteous. So let me ask you this question. What are your terms of your deal with God? What are the terms of your deal with God? Because you made terms with him. You made terms with him when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. When you confessed with your mouth and believed with your heart and declared to your friends and family that he is the Lord of your life. That's the deal that you made with him. When those 12 people in Pullman got baptized, they put a spiritual marker in the ground. They had a new owner, new ownership. This body, this mind, this mouth is under new ownership. It's under the ownership of Jesus Christ. Those are the terms of the deal. <coughs> How many of us believe that God's going to hold up his end of the bargain and always has? Pullman? Right? How many of us, of us have always held up our end of the bargain? How many of us are going to come back and try over and over and over again till the very last breath? Uh, we're going to go into our time of uh, communion. And uh, as, uh, as we pass those out, we have an open table here. If you're in relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to partake. We're going to hold them all till the very end. 
uh, as we go through the implications. But uh, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you're in, and we want you to partake with us. <coughs> implications. Number one, God's laws are a gift to us. They're a gift. They're a gift of, of somebody who loves and cares. Why do parents have rules for their children? My daughter, I said, she's going, she went to Silverwood today, or going to Silverwood, and I said, buddy system, always a buddy system. Yeah, but, you know, I'm 14. I don't care if you're 44. The buddy system, why is that a rule? Right? Where two or more gather, it's, hard, it's harder. Be three of, you know, there's rules about doing things together. Being alone, bad things can happen. Does your father care about you? Does he love you? Is he giving you, does do laws, are they, are they a, love, a love letter? How are you loving him? So God's laws are a gift to us and they open up the fullest life possible for us? Do you want the fullest life possible for you? Not just financially, not just your career, all those things, but the fullest life. What do you want to be able to step back and look at what your legacy was and how it pointed to God and it showed him off amazingly well? Number two, for us Christians, the law teaches us who God is and what he's really like. How many people searching? I wonder, oh God, who, is, who is this God? What is he really like? He told us. He's a God of protection. He's a God of provision. He's a God of love. He's a God who, who, who would give his one and only son for us. Today and now. That we're going to talk about 2,000 years later. The law teaches us who God is and what he is like. And the last one, perfect timing. As we go into communion, is are you willing to continue to renew your covenant with God? Because I believe that you're going to have to continue to renew it because challenges and life and the world is fighting to have you break that covenant. You know, as a staff, our, our, I believe that our marriages have been under attack in the, last, in the last year, in the last six, seven, seven weeks. There, something's fighting against us. And you know what that usually means when something's fighting against a group of people? against a group, it means that we're getting really close to something amazing. It really means that. I've seen it happen over and over and over in our life. When you're, when you're fighting harder and harder and harder, something's about to explode in Pullman. Something's about to explode in a good way in Moscow. We are priming the pump for an amazing harvest. We, not the staff, we as a church are on the, are on the cusp of something amazing 
or at least recognizing the amazingness that's already been happening. So are you willing to pull up your pants, tie your shoes, get back in the fight, jump in there and renew your covenant as many times as it takes? So on that night that he was betrayed, he was with his uh, disciples and he said, he took the bread. He knew what was going to happen. He knew where he was going. He knew, he knew what was going to happen. And he said, take this and eat. This is my body. Let's renew our covenant. And then he took the cup and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Let's renew our covenant. Lord, you are an amazing God. How you take care of us, how you move us. Your law. Thank you, Father in heaven, for giving us your law. Telling us how to love you, Lord. Telling us in so many ways. Giving us a chance, Lord. So, Father God, I just ask that you would just let this soak into the hearts that are ready to receive it. Lord, that we see your law as love as a loving, amazing father. And we obey it and we chase you for the end of our days. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.